TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Labor of Hope is the focus of today's show. I have two representatives in studio to talk about what this group does and who they help. Up first is Melissa Mathis. She is not only a co-founder, she's chairman of the board. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, This organization recommended by Allison Duarte from Team Mercy. She had great things to say about you guys, and I'm very interested in what you do. As always, I start with the basics. What is Labor of Hope? What do you guys do? Labor of Hope is a faith-based nonprofit, and we provide um, support and equipping to families facing a life-limiting or critical diagnosis in pregnancy. Let's talk about what that means exactly. I saw on your website, which is laborofhope.org, that you do exactly what you described, but I'm interested in critical or life-limiting diagnosis. What are we talking about when we say those things? Well, more often than not, we're dealing with a child that has received a diagnosis while in utero that is life-limiting or critical, which means most likely terminal. So that can mean something like a trisomy 18 or trisomy 13 um, or anencephaly, which is um, something that people might be familiar with from the Zika virus when they were talking about people not getting the... brain disorder? Um... It's a disorder where the brain doesn't fully form. So you have a brain stem, but you don't have the rest of the brain. So um, we're serving families like that, but we also serve families where mom or dad has a life-limiting or critical diagnosis. So that would be a cancer. We've served a mom with a brain tumor um, who was going to receive a brain surgery right after giving birth. Um, So anyone that's really facing that in their mom, dad, or baby. How common is this? I, I don't honestly hear a lot about these kind of things, but I can also assume that this is something that you'd want to keep very, very private. How often are people dealing with these kind of tough situations you're talking about? Well, that's a really interesting question. I don't have any actual data points for you. I mean, when my co-founder Keisha and I started, we thought if we serve one family and help them, um, then we've done our work. And we've come to find that through word of mouth, people just come out of the woodwork. So we've served far more families than we ever would have expected. And I think it is one of those things that is extremely rare unless it happens to you. And I think once you start connecting with People And oftentimes I think I found and I think my co-founders found that when we share what we're doing, most people respond with, oh, yes, my friend experienced that or my aunt or, you know, it was 30 years ago, but this happened. Um, So I don't have data points for you. I would love to get that together. That's something we need to work on. But we've seen as as our organization has existed, we've seen more and more people coming to us. Do you feel that people are wanting to talk about this stuff, but they just either don't know how or don't have the avenue to do it? Um, you mean if it's happening to them? Well, like you were saying that 
once you mention labor of hope that people do seem to want to mm-hmm. talk about it and open up if, yeah. it's, if it didn't happen to them it happened to somebody close to them mm-hmm. what i'm asking i guess is that since you've started this organization have you found that people really do want to talk about this stuff and that you're helping to uncover it to a certain extent yeah i think definitely i mean obviously people handle grief and handle their life experiences in a varied way but i think we have been um surprised by how much people want to talk and how much people want to connect and how much people want to share on this. And I think um, in our current society in general, the loss of a child um, once the child is earthside is is something that our, our country is doing well at handling. When you're losing a child while while still pregnant or shortly after birth, but it's not a stillbirth. Um, that is kind of this gray area that I think a lot of people don't know how to navigate. Um, the families that are experiencing it aren't sure how to say, you know, some of them feel comfortable saying, yes, I had um, three children. And other people aren't sure if they should say they just have two children and, and not address the third child because it's, it's a tricky thing that we're finding. And I think the more and more we're talking about it, the more and more light's being shed on it. And yes, people do want to share their stories. Um, the way in which they want to share them is different. Are you trying to figure out a good way to talk about this subject? Is that part of what Labor of Hope does as far as maybe normalizing this as a subject or, as you're saying, shining light on a gray area of life? Absolutely. So I think we're trying to do that in a couple of different ways. First and foremost, for the families that are experiencing it, we are creating a sense of community so that they know that they're not alone. And we're, we're connecting them with, with various team members, ranging from providers that we recommend all the way to you know funeral homes and things like that, of people who are going to be supportive of them and supportive of their child and to value and celebrate their child's life. Um, but we're also working on collaborating with medical providers, with hospitals, with other organizations like Team Mercy and really connecting so that there's um, just a bridge for these families from one side of their experience to the other because that is lacking. And so we are trying to shine a light on that because it is a great area because it happens statistically. You're saying, okay, this happens to so few people. But the reality is in DFW, it's happening to a lot of people, enough people that there is need for us to to work on changing this and making this more cohesive and, and straightforward and and, um, you know, normal to talk about and address. Once you started studying this subject and looking at it, were you surprised at how many people were affected by it? Was that shocking to you? Yes. Yes. I mean, for me personally, it was. This is not... um, a story that I that is part of my life. I didn't personally experience this. And so I thought, of course, I have had other children where I have had two children where during pregnancy, you realize there's things that can happen. And you understand the anatomy scan is really important because that's where you're making sure that none of these um, genetic disorders are, are visible. And so I was aware of that, but I didn't understand um, how many people it was actually happening to. Perfect segue into how this organization started. First off, how long has Labor of Hope been around? Um, well, it started over a lunch table. Um, <laughs> As most good ideas yeah, do. in February of 2016. So we're just over three years old. So not super young, but also still kind of young. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we still feel young. We still feel like we're growing. How large of an organization is this? Well, that's a good question. I mean, in terms of staff members and team, we are predominantly volunteer run. So we only have one paid employee. Um, What does that person do? 
uh, everything. She's she's the backbone of our That's organization. That's always a great uh, question um, to ask organizations like this because yeah. they'll either be very specific or it's just like they everything. Yeah. Well, she's a mom that we served with her third child. And um, after that, she just felt called to continue to work in this. And so she is our director of operations and outreach, which is a beautiful tile, title that um, encompasses everything. She does everything, plus deals with me and me and Keisha, <laughs> you know, <laughs> manages us, I guess. So, um, but no, we just have those, and we are predominantly volunteer run. So we have a huge network of doulas and birth photographers that have supported us all, all steps of the way, and they give their time. Roughly how many volunteers are we talking about? Hmm. Dozens? I would say about 50. That's pretty big, yeah. especially for just an all-volunteer Mm-hmm. staff especially mm-hmm. within about three years yes and that would be 50 i would say that's 50 volunteers that are actually giving of their um time in their profession that is relevant to what we're doing so we're talking about birth doulas we're talking about birth photographers um we've had some help with web development but um that's not so much people that are like standing at the door handing things out those are people who are actually giving multiple hours of their time which again makes the 50 pretty yeah. impressive mm-hmm. I I do want to talk about how we got to this point, but we're dancing around it. How did you decide to start Labor of Hope? Well, I didn't decide alone. I was with my partner, Keisha. Um, I call her my partner, our co-founder, my co-founder. So I had a background in basically advocacy in the space of pregnancy and childbirth. And I was focused on healthy pregnancy and childbirth or childbirth in general in the United States and in Texas um, and through my own first pregnancy, I learned um, a lot about the room for improvement that exists in terms of um, improving birth outcomes and pregnancy outcomes. Um, And I was kind of working in that space. And I had through that had become close with Keisha, who was working in the doula space. And Keisha had a client that had a trisomy 18 diagnosis. And decided, you know, to support that family as she would. And through that process, I was a sounding board for her as her friend. And as she started to experience through their, through walking through them, their pregnancy as their doula, um, which she can shed some light on in a little while, but starting to realize there's, there's a lot of room for improvement here. And that's, you know, a gracious way of saying there was a lot of things that made her feel uncomfortable and stressed. And because of my background in advocacy in the space and working on legislation and things like that, we thought, let's put our two heads together and figure out what can we do, even if we can only move the ticker one one hash, you know, what can we do to improve this? And and what my background with, was in was working with hospitals to figure out how do we work with your existing structure to improve um you know, outcomes for families, meaning understanding that these are these are big organizations. It's not easy for them to just decide to do things differently. And so really trying to come together and figure out how can we make this by working with the families before their birth experience, um, leading up through their pregnancy with their provider, equipping themselves, learning, getting um, mentor families that can help, you know, walk through this with them. And then also working with the hospitals to say, can we, can we do this? Can we try that? And um, bringing in partners with them that they're comfortable with to help, help smooth the waters. What got you interested in this space to begin with? Was it that first pregnancy or is this something that you've always been kind of fascinated with? It was definitely my first pregnancy. So I'm a researcher and I'm a person who does things. If I decide to do it, I'm going to do it 150%. I'm getting that. (laughs) I'm picking that up. (laughs) 
<laughs> so um, when I became pregnant, I thought, okay, I'm pregnant. It's time for me to learn about being pregnant. And um, so I kind of moved into that space and was so blessed um, through so many different resources. I, I had a doula team and, and various healthcare providers and, and a great doctor and decided that I wanted to have a, a non, non-intervention or low intervention, which is kind of a kind of a birth term, which basically means I didn't want to have medication and I didn't want to have an induction. Um, and so I wanted to just go into labor when my body went into labor and tried it. I wanted to do my best to have the baby without drugs. Um, and I came to find out that that is incredibly difficult to accomplish in our current structure in, in, in the world we live in with the healthcare system that we have and the hospitals that we have. And so I was able to do that, but it was an uphill battle for me on multiple fronts. And I realized coming out of that, I have all the resources in the world, meaning education, a supportive family, a supportive husband, health insurance, things like that, friends. Um, And that was an uphill battle for me. What are other people facing? And so that was in 2014 when I really started working in in advocacy and supporting others and having doulas and, and really looking where can I fit in to make a difference in this, to improve this overall. And then, you know, one thing led to another. Um, I got to know Keisha. You know, she had this experience with her client, and we decided, okay, great, this is a place that we can try to make a difference. Just out of pure curiosity, why was a natural birth so important to you personally? Well, because, um, and you know, the term natural is—is is that a good term? Is that am I using well, the right term? It's. A, I think it's a tough term because I think it implies that other birth is not natural, which I think by by its nature. <laughs> It is all natural. So all birth is natural. What I mean by natural or what's commonly is an unmedicated birth or a non-intervention birth, which means I wasn't going to be induced. It wasn't going to be a scheduled birth. But I still wanted to give birth in the hospital. Um, There's so many great options for women to give birth. Some give birth in in a birth center or at home. But I wanted to be in a hospital. Um, and so the reason that I wanted that is to basically reduce risk. And so there's a lot of occasions where interventions are necessary. Um, interventions are not bad. I'm not saying that any sort of pain medication is bad. But with each medical intervention that we all have in our life, birth, not birth, we're increasing risk of side effects. And so I thought to myself, I'm young, I'm healthy. I'm going to do what I can just to, to give this a go. And also, I just wanted to give it a try. I mean, frankly. So that's kind of how I got into that. And it's been a part of your life ever since. Mm-hmm. Did you expect to be so involved with a subject like this? You said you weren't really in this area until you were pregnant. And now, I, I mean, I can tell just by talking to you, this is a big portion of your life. You're heavily involved with this. Was this something that you expected? Yeah. Um, no, I, I would definitely say, like, I always say this is, I did for years pray for a calling. I'm a religious person and I prayed for like, what is my passion? What is my calling? Um, and this is it, um, for sure. And I don't think that it will change in my life. I mean, this is something I'm really passionate about, but no, I didn't expect it. I, I didn't think that pregnancy or childbirth was that big of a deal. And that's kind of, I mean, having a baby is a big deal, but I didn't understand the physiological process of being pregnant and then giving birth and what a profound impact that has on a person and also on their partner and, you know, et cetera. I'm not saying it only happens to her. I had no idea um, because I just didn't think about that. And then I became pregnant. And like I said, I'm a researcher and I dig deep on things. And then I started digging deep on it and realizing like this is a big deal. You know, it's a really big deal. So when you started hearing about the I'm going to call it more negative, but I don't think that negative is really the term that you guys would use to describe what we're what the mission of Labor of Hope is. But these more Mm -hmm. difficult pregnancies, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. 
Was it your conversations with Keisha that helped you to understand that this existed? And then that's what was used as a springboard for Labor of Hope? Is that how you got involved with this specific area of it? Yeah. I mean, I would say that before we started Labor of Hope, I've always had a passion for what I would say life, valuing and celebrating life, which is part of our mission. I mean, that's something that's um, important to me. It's just a part of my belief system. I think that each life is valuable. Um, And so from that core belief, learning from Keisha that basically – maybe those lives that are a little bit more challenging or aren't likely to be long are being less valued was something that really just struck a chord across all of my passions. And then to to hear a little bit more about how that was playing out in the hospital room or, you know, in with the providers and things like that really was tapping into what had become an expertise for me um, of dealing with advocacy in that space and collaborating with providers. I mean, that's something thing that I am extremely passionate about is that, you know, we're all a part of this big, huge machine that is the healthcare system and everybody in it is trying to keep people healthy and happy. I mean, generally speaking, I mean, 99% of all humans want everybody to be doing well. So there's not a villain um, from my point of view. There is no villain. It's just, it's, it's strategic. You know, we've got to be strategic about how we approach our healthcare um, and these big monumental life-changing Trying to optimize. You're not trying to fight. No. Melissa Mathis is the chairman and co-founder of Labor of Hope. You can find them online at laborofhope.org. Let's talk about what you guys offer. You had the idea for this group, and then what was that next step? What did you want to provide people when you first started Labor of Hope? And I think that will transition us into what you are currently doing. Right. I think we started out by wanting to provide, first and foremost, just a lifeline. You know, there is someone here that also wants to value and celebrate the life of your child because um, a lot of the women who are receiving the diagnoses, particularly when their child has the diagnosis, are being told by a lot of people, hey, like, let's get this over with. And and for a lot of people, because of religious beliefs or just a number of reasons, that's not an option for them. And so when they say, no, that's not an option for me, a lot of times they're receiving pushback from friends, family, you know, providers, what have you. And so first and foremost is a lifeline of us going, yeah, we want to help you carry this baby to term. Um, And we're not helping in a medical capacity. We're helping in more of like a support capacity, if that makes sense. But um, secondly, we are very passionate about doula care and we really believe in doula care, which my partner, Keisha, is definitely the expert on, but I'm a huge believer um, in providing doulas and the data shows like how helpful um, they can be in terms of outcomes and mom's mental health before and after um, having a child in normal births and in births like these. I want to talk to Keisha about what a doula is. I had to Google it because I did not know. Just real quick, just to help this conversation. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we're going to get into it much Mm -hmm. more in the second half of the show. But what is a doula and why are they important? A doula is a professional birth support person. So they are a professional person who is there to help you before, during, and after your childbirth. Is it physical and emotional or largely emotional? Physically and emotionally. I mean, um, it's a professional relationship, so it's not like a therapist or a friend in in that kind of emotional capacity. But yes, it's psychological and physical. Psychological. Um, Well, and it's an educational component. So one of the doula's main purposes is to provide education to their client. I saw on the website, which once again is laborofhope.org, that you guys basically work on a a four-step program. Do I have that correct? Yes. Okay. 
So let's talk about some of these. Now, I, I have intro and intake mm-hmm. as step one. Mm-hmm. So basically what I want to learn is what is this process like for a person that is now receiving the help of Labor of Hope? If I'm a family that comes to you and says, I need your help, what happens next? Well, the first thing they'll do is be in touch with our director of operations and outreach, which is Riley, who is wonderful, who has walked this journey herself. And so um, sometimes that starts as a text conversation. Sometimes it starts over email and sometimes it's a phone conversation. And so our first step is to say, how can we serve you? Um, Some people want all of our services and some people just want to talk some people want to know if we have recommendations and some people just want birth photography and so that's kind of our first step the intro and intake is just give us a little information about you and let us know um, what we can do for you or if you don't know yet then let's just talk okay when did photography become such a big portion of this organization it seems to me like it is a big part of it Mm -hmm. it is it's a huge part of it i mean from the beginning so um we value birth photography you know for all families it's something i experienced which which i didn't know about before i was pregnant or had a baby let's talk about what it is okay i mean is it photographer in the room like what are we talking about yes well i mean each client can indicate what they want okay but for let's call talk about it for a quote-unquote normal birth or delivery okay so you're going to have your birth photographer he's he or she's going to be on call um they're going to come when you get into typically when you get into active labor which is you know close to the end of delivery and they're going to take photos of you and your partner and your family, your mom or whoever. Um, And then when the baby's born, some people do want photography of, you know, the baby actually being born. Other people, most people just want it kind of from the waist up and you're just getting pictures of mom focused and then the baby is out and that's when the amazing pictures are taken, you know, pictures of you meeting your child, your partner meeting your child, um, being weighed, things like that. And so it does take place in the labor and delivery room and typically lasts about two to three hours. Or more. Is that common? Birth photography? Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's common. I think. No? no I mean, I think it's it's an expensive thing to do, um, you know, because you have a photographer who's on call and typically they're coming mm. at 2 o'clock in the morning and they're working from 2 to 6 a.m. and taking photos. And um, so I wouldn't say it's common. I think it's becoming more common. I wish everybody could have a birth photographer. You know, I think it's an amazing gift to have. Uh, but it's certainly becoming more more common. Why was it so important for you guys to have this as, as such an integral part of Labor of Hope? Because so many of our families um, may only get to spend a short amount of time with their with their child. So sometimes that's minutes, sometimes that's hours, um, and sometimes that's days. And so when our when one of our families, um, we have done everything from maternity photography for families who maybe weren't comfortable or didn't want to have photos in the delivery room, all the way up to taking photos of newborns who have been, you know, born a few months before. And we've even had you know, one family that we're still doing photo sessions for, and she's over a year. So it's always been a a big part of the organization. Absolutely. What would you say is one of the other main programs or services that Labor of Hope provides? Well, I'd say we've covered doula care, which you'll talk about more with Keisha. We've covered photography, and and we do a lot to commemorate the family's memory keeping, um, but also community. And so I think one of the things that we're really passionate about is providing these families with a sense of community that they can be a part of. And so we have quarterly events for all of our families that we have served. Um, We ask them about a year and a half or two years into doing Labor of Hope, we ask the families that we'd served, hey, what else could we be doing? And they said, 
You know, we would love to have a social event that's not a group therapy session. It's just a social event where we can be with other families like us. And that's can... what I wanted to ask about if these if this is providing a therapy type situation. But you're saying that that's not what you guys are no. trying to do when you when you say build uh, connections. Right. We're trying to connect people. Now we may be able to give them references. What we're not doing is providing any medical services. So we're not providing medical care and we're not providing psychological medical care. So um, our sense of community is meant to be uplifting and it's a celebration. That's part of our mission statement is to celebrate and value every life. And so part of celebrating is so many of our families, I would say all, I would venture to say all of our families, they want to talk about their children and they want to celebrate the time that they had with them, whether it was 45 minutes or three months. And um, this, we are really passionate about hosting those events. We host them for free. We, we provide dinner. We provide all sorts of things for them to come and they get to socialize and they get to feel relaxed because everywhere else they go in their life. They have to decide, how am I going to navigate this conversation? And then when they're together with our community, they don't have to do that. Were you surprised at how joyous these occasions became? Because I, it's interesting to me that you're talking about how relaxed people feel when they first show up and, and how at ease they are simply because they're around other people who understand, even if they're not specifically talking about that subject. Being able to just be at ease and not have mm-hmm. to worry about it in some almost odd sense. Mm-hmm. Did you expect that? To happen? Is that what you wanted from these get togethers? Um, I think my personal expectations, I didn't have many because, again, I haven't walked that road. My hope was that I was going to give them what they were asking me for. And so the fact that it was joyous and that they are fun and that people have a good time is a huge plus for me. And it makes them fun to plan. And of course, the first time we did it, we didn't know exactly what to expect. We didn't know if this was going to be hard or happy. And the fact that they've been happy and fun and uplifting and we've seen our um, we. We call the people we serve clients, although they don't pay. Um, we've seen our clients thrive and make new friends and make new connections. And we have a community Facebook page just for them. It's just for them. Nobody else is in there other than us, than our than our team and the people who we've already served. And they're able to connect there and, and they're able to share resources with each other. One of the things that I also saw on the website was hospital prep. When you guys say that, what are you helping the families to do there? Yeah, and Keisha can shed more light on that. She's more of an expert on that. But just preparing these families, um, that's part of what a doula does in general, which mm. would be kind of following under falling under that education. So for a normal childbirth, they're going to help you come up with, you know, your birth birth preferences or, you know, what are you going to pack in the bag and things like that. And so for our clients, sometimes that looks like helping them navigate um, a conversation with the NICU team or deciding what kind of palliative care they would like or, you know, what they want with their extended family. How do they want that managed? You know, just kind of helping them walk through that, preparing for the hospital. Labor of Hope has been around for about three years, and it sounds like you guys have done a lot in that short amount of time. Are you happy with where the organization is right now or are you looking to expand? Well, I think we're both. I'm very happy where the organization is right now. And if the day came tomorrow that nobody ever needed our services again, I would be thrilled to shut our doors and never have another family like this. I know you're, I know, of course, but um, of course we want to expand. I mean, we want to reach and serve as many families as we can. And so. um, Do you want this to be a national organization? We would love that. Yes. I want there to be resources like Labor of Hope nationally of course and if that's labor of hope and that's how labor of hope grows that would be wonderful what do you guys need right now you said you already have a fairly large volunteer force but 
It's a volunteer force. Mm-hmm. So what are you looking for as far as, as far as volunteers are concerned, and are you actively looking for volunteers? Well, we're always looking for volunteers. So we can, um, anybody who's got a heart for our organization, we would love to talk to you and hear what it is that you have to offer. Um, we are trying to move towards paying more people. So including paying our doulas and paying our photographers. Um, we believe in creating sustainable careers. We believe that doulas sh- and photographers should be compensated for their work. So that's kind of our big initiative in 2019, which Keisha's going to talk about. So um, we are working on fundraising to help ourselves expand our staff and our team to be able to serve our families better. But we can use any resource that people have available, including their talents. I mean, the number one priority for us with people hearing this is please share our mission. Um, We started this from a place of no money over a lunch table just wanting to serve people and that's our heart I mean our heart is we always find a way to serve families that that need our help and so we just want to make sure that those families know about us and know that we're available for them and that they're not alone Melissa Mathis is the chairman and co-founder of Labor of Hope you can find them online at laborofhope.org it was great speaking with you and I wish you the best of luck thank you so much tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.